Hey everybody, this is Straight Shooting with Matt, and I just want to start this video off by saying sorry because I actually lost some of the audio and footage from the podcast I did with Kyra. Uh, it was definitely a mistake on my part, but I retrieved most of it, so the video was too good to just not to let go of, so I decided I'm going to put out whatever I can and make some adjustments, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, also, shout out to Kyra. I love talking about your uh, book and your album that you released. Uh, best of luck to her. And oh, and yes, thank you for everyone who's been supporting the podcast as well as my YouTube channel. It means a lot to me. Thank you. All right, this is Straight Shooting with Matt, and I'm here with Kyra Horton. All right, Kyra, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be back home around my family, so I'm happy. Doing good. The trip was okay. Yeah, it was a it was a long drive, but it was smooth, so not too bad. How many hours? It can't be that long. I mean, it was supposed to be like five and a half hours, but we stopped a lot, so it was like maybe seven. Oh, okay. Including like all the stops. Stopping for food or what? Food. We went to the mall. <laughs> you guys went to the mall on the <laughs> way. It was like a little cafe with a museum. It was just a lot. Oh, okay. We, it, it was cool though. It was nice to see some stuff on the way and I just come straight here. So can't complain. Mm-hmm. And you go to USC right now. Yes. I go to USC. I am studying political science. Um, education is my minor with like the career goal of being a professor. Okay. So, how come education is something you wanted to pursue as a career? I feel like it's just, specifically like political science is something that's really lacking in like the black and brown community. Um, and I feel like a lot of power comes from like political entities and people just need to understand how those things work. So it's important to me to like educate at the collegiate level, but also like just do community education. So, it's a career path I want to go Okay. I was actually surprised by the answer. I didn't know that going into this because mm -hmm. I thought you had like an arts major somewhere in art. Yeah, nah. I mean, it's. I feel like a lot of people think that art is like really my passion. Um, and I, I tried to like, like add on painting as a minor, but I just did not like doing art in a classroom. Like it didn't feel natural. Um, cool. They teach you so many different like they go step by step, yeah. and they, they do that with film and everything else, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I feel like being hands-on is when you're really going to learn the most. Yeah, I agree. And I'm just, I guess I'm not that as patient as I thought I was when it comes to, like, learning things that I kind of already know how to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, but they have a lot, I have a lot to learn, like, artistically, like, when it comes to technique, because I've never taken an art class in my life. And so I feel like there's a lot that I could learn, but I don't think college is like the best way for me to learn. Well, that. college wants to teach you in a way that's like historical mm -hmm. and then how you can apply those historical, like they, they, they break everything down into almost like a science. Yeah. And I don't like how they do that either because I think it's supposed to be like a free form. Mm -hmm. Especially with art or like yeah. film, like those types yeah. of things. I mean, there's obviously little things you, sh you sh need to know, like yeah. technicalities in mm -hmm. film, what works and what, what, what doesn't, but art like physical art yeah uh i don't think there's no walls really there shouldn't be any walls when it mm -hmm. comes to that 
Are you studying film at all? I know that's something you're super I am. interested in. Yeah. I actually changed my major from exercise science to film. And okay. I, I was like, this semester I went into school, it was like, it's my fourth semester, fourth semester. And I was like, I need to do it. Yeah. I got to do it. I, it's always been something you've been passionate about. Like, I knew I knew you would end up there at some point. So I'm glad you're doing it. I'm going to have to show you some of the scripts I've been writing for, like, ads. And I'm actually doing some, a little bit of freelance writing right now. Oh, cool. I just started dipping my feet in that. So, that's dope. Yeah. That's super exciting. Definitely show me all that stuff. But what I really wanted to have you on the podcast today was because you had a book that came out last year, I think, I think around this time. Yeah, around this time. And then you also had an album that came out, was it beginning of this year? Or, yeah, it, yeah or like a month. Year? No, this year, beginning of this year, album. I had an EP that came out last year, um, a shorter project. Yeah. My full-length album just came out this year. This is her book. <laughs> this is her poetry, book of poetry. It's called Cries of a Butterfly. Um, you can get that on Amazon. Should I move it this way? <laughs> <laughs> Kyra, if you want to get in the frame a little bit more. There you go. Okay. You see it. Yeah. But yeah, um, and then on top of that, the album. Mm -hmm. I was listening to it, I listened to it when it first came out, and then I was listening to it today, this morning, and I, it sounds better that this morning than it did when I first listened to it. Not because it was bad, but just because I had more time to set in. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really, really enjoy it. And I was I really curious that. about, like, the process it took. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that it sounded better now, because I feel the exact same way. Like, I listened to the whole project when it first came out, and I liked it, of course. But, like, I listened to it recently after not listening for a long time, and I was, like, way more into it, I think. So it maybe just takes some time to sink in. But, um... I mean, what went into the project? I feel like I really started recording my voice when I wasn't able to perform as much. Cause like the pandemic, we were all like kind of locked in. I wasn't able to do performance poetry, which is like what's natural to me. Um, and so I started like recording my voice over like different music and stuff. And that's kind of what birthed like the melodic poetry is what I call it. Um, and then like, I just didn't have the resources to like be going to record a studio or hiring like engineers and producers. So I just like learned that shit as best as I could. Um, and it so sounds amazing. I gotta I say, yeah. It. I really do appreciate it. Um, so it was like a really like big learning curve because like I have never produced before. Um, I've never engineered. I've never mixed and mastered. And on mixing and mastering, I did pull someone in to like help me at the end to just like clean everything up. But um, it was really like writing a bunch of poetry and then finding sounds that I liked and then like recording it over it and just keep doing that until it sounded good. Like I was recording in my room. I was recording in like in classrooms at school. I was just doing whatever I could. And what percentage do you think went to somebody else helping you out? Like if you were to break it down, how much of the project was all you? What is someone else helping me out? Um... I literally only pulled maybe one person into the project and all they did was kind of like clean up the mixing and mastering at the end. And I mean, the project wouldn't have sounded significantly different without them. Um, so I feel like percentage wise, maybe like 10% someone else and then 90% me. Um, I had people who like I would play the music for and I'd be like, oh, what do you think? You know, that type of thing. But as like as for actually creating the project, I didn't have much help. 
because um, I had a very clear vision in my head of how I wanted it, so I just executed it in that way. Okay. And the sample, or were they samples that were used throughout? Yeah, it was like sample loops, so I would like kind of layer them, stack them, cut them, type thing. It wasn't like I was like on a MIDI board, like, you know, creating right. beats from scratch, because I, that would take me way, way longer to learn, but, um, I would use this platform called Splice, which is very, very uh, good, like when you're trying to learn how to produce. And they provide loops um, and like beats and drums, and you can kind of just like layer up a song. So that's kind of how I did it. Mm -hmm. And so the album's called The Silencer. I don't think I ever mentioned that. Um, and it's spoken word poetry, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a niche because everyone's doing hip hop or something else, like alternative, or yeah. there's like anti pop, which is like a form of rap. But what do you think, with with that little niche you have, do you feel like you, you can grow that to be something really big? Yeah, it's like, it is very, very like niche in a way that like, I haven't seen that many people do it before me, so it's not like a path already there to kind of follow. Um, but I do think it's a lot of room for growing. Like, I, I've done research into like how other people have moved through this similar space and there's some albums out not that many um and also like i think that nobody has really gone on like tour in the way that like recording artists will go on to and perform like their songs no one has done that with performance poetry before so that's a that's a way that i'm really really interested in like seeing it be used um and seeing it grow and i also think about like interludes for albums that's something i think about a lot is like, uh, and that's something I have seen, like spoken word being in like rap albums or R&B albums. If I'm not mistaken, I think Mavi has done it that before. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not familiar with that artist. Is it Mavi? Or is, how do you how do you say it? I'm, yeah. I thought you met him. Met him where in L.A.? Yeah, I know he's based out in L.A. I remember you telling me that you met an artist out in LA. Sachi. Sachi, that's Sachi. what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sachi. Nah, I, yeah, I don't know who, I don't, I'm not familiar with Mavi, um, but I'm sure that artists have done that before, like had a uh, spoken word as interludes or like ending or beginning of a song, like a, something like that. But I would like to see more of that. And then also something, and this is like in relation to kind of what you do, but having spoken word as like more incorporated into films. Like, that's something that I think would be really, really cool because there's always, like, background music. Um, but I think that, like, spoken word would be cool involved somehow into, like, cinema. That would be very interesting. I, I, it's not a popular thing, but it definitely can be done. Yeah. And I think with the right tone and, like, the right visuals, it could be really, really exciting. Yeah. That's what, like, I'm, I'm sure... I don't know if you saw... Um, like the music video that I had where it was like dancing dancers well anyway. uh, yeah actually yeah, I did yeah yeah so mm -hmm. like I had that and that's kind of what I think about like even if it's not like a movie with like dialogue I'm thinking that like poetry should be married to other art forms in some way and like that was kind of like a mix of like film and also like performance of like dance and so I would love to see more like interdisciplinary work like that involving poetry. Do you, okay, so when you, did you go to someone and ask them, can you make a music video for me? Or was it more of just like, did you, like how much of it were you a part of that? 
so yeah like i was at an open mic and i saw those two dancers perform and i was like these two are like crazy and like crazy incredibly talented i have to work with them but it was nothing in my like in my work right then that would fit them in so i kind of just like kept them in mind and then when i thought about like making my first music video i remembered those two dancers and i like started thinking of concepts and so yeah i did like hit them up like this is my idea this is kind of what i want um those two like choreographed the whole thing themselves so that was completely them they just listened to the music listened to the lyrics and made what they felt went with it um my role i mean i was at most of the rehearsals so i was kind of like explaining what the words meant for me and they turned it into like movement so it was an extremely collaborative process um but i still think that like my role in that was really just like explaining my creativity and like letting them translate it to like their creativity did they ever explain to you what kind of form of dance that is is it like ballet in a way like what, what I don't, is that? I honestly i'm not too sure i feel like it changes because some parts are like Oh, forms of yeah, okay. and then some parts are like very hip hop esque, and I know that they do all forms of dance, so they probably incorporated a lot of different dance forms into it. I'm not sure if it just like fit into one category. So then, dancers and choreography aside, were you working with the um, the director of it, or did you actually film that? Or no, 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 I didn't like hold the camera and film it. I did what I would consider like creative direction, like okay, I want a shot from like this angle. Um, I want the light to be like I want it to be like um, sunset. I want it to be shot here. So I had to explain all of that to the um, to the videographer, and he executed. Um, but yeah, we had like detailed conversations on the phone of like, okay, this is a vision, and then he came through and like executed. But then I also edited all the footage. Which oh, was, you edited yourself. Yeah, which was the hardest part of the whole process. Yes, well, long and grueling. It's <laughs> so hard because it was just hours and hours and hours of footage. Um, and it's, it took me like weeks to like go through it all and edit it. And I was working in Premiere Pro and I've never used Premiere Pro. So that was also a huge learning curve. I had to like learn that. Um, and so yeah, like I was very hands-on in the process, but ugh, like so much credit can go to these other people because they really took like a vision that I had and like executed it so well. And the title of it is um, Paradox. Paradox okay. is the is the song that is over, and I I don't think the dance has a name, so Paradox. Too. Okay. Yeah. I wanna uh, I'll link that in the uh, description. Cool. Along yeah. with the book and um the and the album as well. Yeah. Word. So, I, I've been wanting to ask you this question for a long time now, and it was, uh, and you know what's the question I'm about to ask, too. Uh, what made you begin this way of art? Like, what made you pursue art? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Chicago, and uh, I was doing, I was watching, first and foremost, like, competitive poetry as I grew up in high school. It's huge thing in Chicago, going to open mics, things like that. And so I saw people doing it and I was just so intrigued. Um, but at that time, I was like an alternate on the team because it was like all these seniors. I was a freshman. I was not very good at writing at the time. And so I was kind of just watching and um, learning from them. And then I moved out to Arizona. Um, and by that, at that point, I had never picked up a paintbrush. I had never started visual art. And I just didn't see myself as an artist. Like I didn't consider myself that at all. And then when I came here, I really got into like um, visual art 
because I felt like there were just some things that I wanted to express like I couldn't put into words um, specifically when I got more into like activism work um, and so the first like sweater that I ever made I like vividly remember it was like a, um, a sweater of like the American flag but it was like dripping like representing like blood and it was like you know no justice no peace and so it was just this huge like emotional piece that I was creating of things that I feel like I couldn't say um and it's also important to note that like my visual art started on clothing like I didn't pick up a canvas until maybe a year or two after me painting um and I wanted to have art that I could like wear and that I could constantly use to express myself like even if I don't talk to a person, they can understand like my ideals through like seeing me. And so that's how I got into the um, visual art. And it kind of expanded from there. I will like really try anything. I've done some photography, a little bit of videography. Um, I'm, I'm just like, whatever I have to do to like execute a vision in my head, like I'm willing to do at this point. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm like the best at everything there's a lot that I'm just like eh, I'll do it if I have to but it's not really like my thing I think my thing is like poetry um, and sometimes painting but other stuff I'm like yeah other people are, can't have it you know mm -hmm. yeah uh, what were some of your inspirations I know you like like certain artists specifically right mm-hmm yeah I think like when it comes to inspirations definitely like the people I grew up with in, in school who were performing and just that whole culture for poetry and then artists um I really I think like Kendrick Lamar was a huge uh inspiration when it comes to like poetry over music because he's really a poet you know and the way that he spits over music is just so interesting and unique to me um, and then there's another artist called Melanda Jean Claude, and he wrote a poetry book. And it's like really the first poetry book that I ever read, and I was so moved by it. And that's when I decided, like, okay, I'm gonna write a book. Um, and by that time, I was really young, I was probably like maybe 16, 15, 16. So I had no tools to do it at that point, but I knew, like, like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna write a book. Um, and then there's also an artist called Raina Biddy. She does like what I do of like spoken word over over music. Um, and it's very different from like the topics and the way that I talk, but it's still super inspiring because she was the first artist who I'd ever heard do that. And I was like, okay, this is possible, even though people like aren't doing it that often. So those are some of like the key artists. Um, but I'm constantly inspired by music. I constantly listen to music. Um, to hear just different cadences and different sounds and rhythms and it's always inspiring the art that I do. You said that you didn't have the tools at the time when you wanted to write a book. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that in high school or like before high school you just were overwhelmed by what, like the idea of even doing something like a project like that? Mm, I feel like overwhelmed isn't the right word because like I feel like when I say I didn't have the tools, I mean like I was living in Chicago, um, the people around me just didn't think in that way. Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, you can publish a book. It was kind of like, you know, get through the day, get through the week, like graduate if that's your goal. It wasn't like these big goals that I had. Okay. And so like when I say the tools, the main one is like support or like inspiration. Like I didn't see people around me doing that. Nobody I've ever met has ever published a book. 
And so like it was really hard for me to visualize the steps or like I couldn't just reach out to my mom and be like, oh, how do I do this? Or reach out to like my cousin or like my my um, peers to ask those questions because this isn't stuff that was being done around me. And so I think as I grew, as I moved, as I met new people and made connections, like there were people who like nurtured the idea first and foremost, but then they also like gave me access and resources to be like, okay, this is how you can publish through a person. This is how you self-publish. And even when I moved to Arizona, it's like, I still didn't really feel like I had the tools. And that's why I didn't publish when I was here. I moved back to Chicago before I even published the book. Um, because I had really like a foundation of people to support and help me through the process. Okay. And um, so I, I feel that actually as well, mm -hmm. but in a different way. Because, I mean, you've lived here uh, in Arizona. You've lived in Chicago. And then now you're living in L.A. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I've been here all my life. And I've never had anyone help me when it comes to film or any yeah. other type of creative project. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of like like yourself. We're self-made in, right. in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like one of the driving things. It's like we're doing this on our own and we want to make a name for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think, like for me at least, it's like I want to prove people wrong. Like I want to, I want to do something. I know like, you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's dope. I feel like, yeah, it's very real. I think for me, it's the driving factor is like I want to do things that I've never seen done, or like do things that weren't at least I haven't seen done around me. Um, and I just I'm like obsessed with it, the idea of execution. Like I don't think that I can let any idea come into my head without doing. And that's why I, that's why I feel like people people ask me about so much. It's like how like you've done so much and you're so young, and it's like I won't let an idea go. If I had even though I was only 15, I had an idea of a book, and it took me what like six years to actually bring it to fruition. 16, no, four years. <laughs> <laughs> I can do math. Yeah. Um, like it took me like four or five years to bring it to fruition. It's like still I would not let that idea go. Um, and so I think that's just that's just how I am. Like I have to execute when it comes to um, an idea. And I also have no problem with like moving on from stuff. If I try something, I don't really care for it. Um, but I tried it and I did it. Mm, whatever, I'll go to the next thing. Like I'm not hard pressed to like do one thing forever. Um, but I do like to just try things as much as I can. So, like I said, I was listening to your album earlier this mm -hmm. morning. What's your favorite song from that album? My favorite song is probably The Things I Never Say. Um, I think that I don't really know why that's my favorite. Like, I think it's like the actual beat underneath is my favorite beat of the whole the whole album. And I think that just the way my voice sounds, it just sounds very melodic and like pretty. Uh, aside from the actual lyrics, like I just like the way the song sounds. Um, and then also there's just some of my favorite lines are in that in that poem. And so I think that's probably my favorite. What's yours? <laughs> even even wanted to ask you, um, <laughs> uh, probably Lost in L.A. Yeah. I really like that one because I was like, I, I can make a music video for that. Yeah. Like that was that's the one that I had the most visualization, mm. and I was like, I could make something out of this. So if you ever want me to, I you know I do. You yeah, know I do. Okay. That I'm so down. It's so funny that you say that because like Lost in L.A. is probably my least favorite track on the really? whole album. 
yeah that i was like i'm not putting like right before i'm like i'm not putting this on the album like this is terrible like, i'm I, so glad you did I'm that so is did. so crazy because like you know lucy just moved to la and she she loves that song she's like i asked her what's her favorite and she said that same song and i was telling her like this almost didn't make the album and she's like i'm so happy it did but it's crazy because i thought i'm like no one's gonna be able to relate to this feeling um and i was just thinking like this is so this is so niche and i don't know it just sounded so but it, it brings depth to who you are like, yeah someone who doesn't know you who listens to the album for the mm -hmm. first time is like oh well she's from somewhere else but she's learning to just cope and and deal with or at least experience life in a new light or like yeah. experience life from a new perspective mm -hmm. i feel like also i was just in such a different place when i dropped the album than when i wrote that poem because I feel like when I first got to LA, I hated LA. Like I hated it so much, I wanted to leave. Like I didn't like it at all. And by the time I dropped the album, LA was like one of my favorite cities in the whole country. And so I'm like, not only do I feel like people won't relate to this, but I don't even relate to it anymore. You know? But it's it's like a it's like a a timepiece for and, yourself. And that's why I put it on there. Yeah. That's why I ended up putting it on there because I'm like, even if I can't relate to it now it's like important to show where i was at a point you know mm -hmm. and not only that but like for lucy for example she moved mm -hmm. out there for a, a film school yeah and i'm sure she was feeling the same feelings that you were and i'm sure many other people who moved to la i mean it's one of the i think it's one of the most populated places in the world actually right. mm -hmm. so i don't know how many people are there but i'm sure a lot of people will go through those same emotions that you did you know yeah for sure for sure a city like that can be pretty overwhelming no definitely and it's like that song I say so much like it's just so much contradiction because it's so beautiful but it's so like consuming and it's so dark but it's so inspiring it's just like LA is full of contradictions to me but it's it's an amazing city so mm -hmm. all right we'll be right back after a break see how this sounds this is straight shooting with Matt you can say anything you want and this is Kyra Horton uh, the difference between practical and um, well visual effects but between practical and uh, special effects that we see a lot now mm -hmm. and um, with that I was, ex I was talking about this group called AG Club out of uh, I believe they're, they're from Northern California but I believe they're from Sacramento I could be wrong though mm -hmm. and and then also we mentioned uh, Saggy and I wanted to briefly talk about that as well yeah so I, I met Sachi, well I saw Sachi, I've been listening to Sachi since high school. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw that he was performing like in a neighborhood super close to me and so I like had to go. And I went and it was so good. Um, everything that I, I like imagined it to be. And then like right after the concert I like hit him up on Instagram and I was just like, you know, I'm such a huge fan. I saw you perform tonight, like I would love to collab in some way. And I kind of was showing him like the work that I did with poetry. And he was super excited about it. He was like, yeah, like, that'd be dope. I think he was in the middle. He told me he was working on a project at the time. Like, he was already, like, finishing putting that out. But he was like, yeah, like, that would be really cool. And we were just talking, like, music. See, I, I didn't know as much about his background. Like, he studied, he studied music, like, in school and played instruments. And, like, he's actually, like, a musician behind just being a singer. Um, so it was really cool to just see all that went into his like craft and it was just really cool to see him perform live so living in la do you see like a lot of celebrities is it really like what they make it out to be in the movies i don't know i personally don't 
I feel like I don't be really in the spaces to see celebrities like if I'm out in LA I'm probably like biking or hiking or skating um I'm not really like at places where celebrities will be so no me personally I don't unless it's like like people who are pro skaters like i see pro skaters a lot that's what i was about to say i'm like well you go to skate parks i'm sure people bring cameras yeah i've met a couple pro skaters my favorite that i've met is brianna king she's a um she's a she's a black girl and she's such a good skater um and she's so down to earth she's so sweet and she was just like like i didn't even know it was her because she just came up and started talking about a normal conversation and so i was like no that's brianna king and i was like oh my gosh are you serious and I'm such a huge fan of her, so it was cool to see her. But other than that, not really. I haven't met that many famous people. I'm curious to see what other skateboarders you've um, you've met. Yeah, it's actually like a couple. There is one um, coach Cooley. He runs. I don't know if you're familiar with DGK. Yeah, I am. Yeah, he's like the he's like over DGK. Like he runs DGK, and I've been trying to collab with him a lot lately. Um, he had an event that I went to uh, with some other people who are who I skated with in Chicago. They came out to visit and they knew him really well. We went to an event, he's so cool. I've been trying to collab with him with like doing skate lessons for like young people um, in the community. So I've met him and then um, I, I tweaked on the opportunity. Tony Hawk came to my school to like speak to, we have like a seminar that's on like skating and the effects of skating like in community. And it's only people in that class, which I'm not in, but like friends who are skaters who like are in the class invited me and I literally just forgot and I missed <laughs> meeting Tony Hawk. So that's sad, but he was there. And then other people were just like, like they're just famous on Instagram. They, they're pro skaters, don't get me wrong, but they're just like kind of Instagram famous. You know who Nigel is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I look at him a lot just because I think he's a really cool dude. I yeah. think his tattoos are sick, too. Yeah. But um, he's on the USA team. I was wondering like if you had met any other USA members. Mm-mm. I've never met Nigel for sure. That would be sick. Um, I think he's based in L.A. as well. I, I, yeah. I don't know, though. I'm not sure. I, I don't know either. I feel like I really want to go to more like professional skate events because they are crazy in L.A. But usually if I'm skating, it's like, look, we're just with my girls. Like, mm-hmm. we're just in a, you know, in a small group, like, doing our thing. And we don't really interact. So I haven't met, like, definitely any U.S. Um, US skate team members. But that would be cool. <laughs> Hope so. I think, I don't know how I feel about skating myself. But I think <laughs> skating videography is really, really cool. Especially when you chop it up and, yeah. and add some music to it. It can mm-hmm. be really cool and exciting. Yeah. Have you ever tried looking into that? <laughs> I try to like record other people while skating, but I realize you have to be a really good skater. Like to be like skating while simultaneously focusing on like videography is just so hard. Like wait, so do a lot of them do both at the same time? They're on skateboards the whole time that they're filming. Oh, to keep up with them. Yes, yes. So like when they're going up these ramps and like doing these tricks, they're like skating behind them to like keep up. And you have to like turn but like make it super smooth while you're on the skateboard you gotta watch it but watch where you're going it's so much that goes into it that's wild i'd probably have to get like one of those um body suits that carry the camera on it yeah i'd have to do something like that i'm 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 too clumsy on this <laughs> yeah it's difficult work i definitely i don't know if that's the area i'll tap into <laughs> that's interesting i feel like if i were to ever get into skateboarding that'd probably be the only way i do it mm-hmm yeah, you gotta you gotta definitely like get comfortable on the board for sure. Unless you wanna run <laughs> unless you wanna run behind them. It's just gonna be too shaky. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
So, living in Chicago and then moving to LA, it was almost like a culture shock, right? Would you say so? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just different. Like, LA is very... It almost reminded me of, like, a ghost town in some parts because, like, it's so... LA is glamorized on TV um, and it is well kept in like areas that people care about like Beverly Hills or you know Malibu those areas are you know pristine but um, my school is in South Central and so the surrounding neighborhoods give you the reality of LA mm, okay. and I felt like um, it was just not even necessarily culture shock but just shock like I was like this is not the LA that people portray um, and so I was just, I feel like maybe disappointed a little, but more so just like hurt. Cause like there are people who are living here who are struggling. And then there's people who are like down the street who are like millionaires. It just was this huge disparity between like conditions of living. The balance is off. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And so I think that bothered me a lot when I first got here. Um, so it was definitely a shock. It was definitely a shock when I got here, when I got there. So being um, very heavy in politics and everything, mm -hmm. do you see yourself ever like trying to make a change in L.A. to make that balance a little better? Yeah, I feel like, see, in L.A. is the key part. I don't know if I want to do my activism in L.A. solely because I didn't grow up there. And I feel like it's very important to have like this historic connection to a place to try to like change it. Like while I'm there, I try to make an impact, you know, through the, the programs that I'm in or the work that I do. But um, when I think of like changing a community, I feel like it should be the community that you're from. 